Today we discuss the fans' lack of faith in Lou Lamorello and the Islanders' front office, plus the NHL's schedule for nationally televised games is announced. We'll tell you when the Isles will be on national TV and the changes to the schedule. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So you can get new episodes as soon as they drop, and you can also now hear us on the SiriusXM app, SXM. Just do a search for Locked On Islanders. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Lots to discuss on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders-related, on your mind, feel free to send us an email to LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. If you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We will keep you updated on all things Islanders throughout the rest of this offseason. Trade rumors, free agency, hirings, firings, you name it. We will have it for you here if it's happening to the Islanders. So make sure you join us for that. And training camp, now it is September 1st, is just a few weeks away. We are going to start this episode with a discussion about the Islanders' ranking in a recent poll by The Athletic. And... You know, this is a fan poll, so it's not necessarily scientific. It is not necessarily the uh, end-all and be-all of experts, necessarily. But, hey, fans matter. And so you have two categories here, the Islanders fan base and then the fan base of the rest of the league. Unfortunately, the Islanders ranking dead last out of 32 teams in what the Athletic deemed front office confidence rankings. And a couple of people brought this to my attention, although I I do have a subscription to the Athletic, and I I, I do keep up with what, you know, they're reporting on. But straight across the board, the Islanders had terrible, terrible grades. From the fan base, roster building, AD, 
30th in the league. Cap management, D minus, dead last in the league. Draft and develop, D minus, next to last in the league. Trading was the best grade that Lou Lamorello and the Islanders front office got. They got a C minus, which was still 25th in the league. Free agency, D minus, 30th in the league. Vision, D, 30th in the league. Total, D minus, 31st in the league. These are just horrendous. Now, the public, the general fan bases from around the league, not much better. The Islanders ranking 31st in roster building and trading, and then dead last in every other category. And here's the quote from the article. Aside from the Ilya Sorokin extension, there hasn't been a lot to like from the Islanders' decision-making brass of late. Lengthy extensions to Pierre Engvall and Scott Mayfield look iffy, as does signing a 35-year-old backup for four more seasons at a not insignificant price. The Bo Horvat trade was a gamble that could still pay off, but Lou Lamorello's own admission was the deal was too much money and too long. That's something that was supposed to be evident in the back half, not immediately. It's death by a thousand cuts, a slow bleed-out for an aging group that has a lot of money tied up to a bubble team. Even when the Islanders were at the top of their game, there was evidence that this would be the end result. Trading Devon Taves for two seconds is not emblematic of a front office with a strong vision or process. Each move since then has been further confirmation of that. This is essentially a big condemnation of the way the Islanders are developing their team. And look, every day, as you know, this is something we've been talking about on this show throughout the offseason, even going back to the trade deadline and last offseason and the trade deadline last year, that this team has traded away its first-round pick for the last four years. And again, as sort of a general overview, it's okay if you are an elite contending team, if you're one of the top seven or eight teams, maybe even five or six teams in the league, and you think you have a good chance to win the cup, trading away your first-round pick two, three, four years in a row is understandable because you have this window of how long you can keep this elite team together and you want to maximize your chances of winning a cup. So, If you trade away a first-round pick or your top prospect, as in Atu Ratu, who was traded at the deadline as part of the, or before the deadline, but as part of the Bo Horvat deal last year, uh, that makes a certain amount of sense because you want to get over that hump, get that last piece of the puzzle like the Islanders did in 1980 when they added Butch Goring, and, you know, maximize your chances of winning while the window is open. But this era of the Islanders, yes, they've made four uh, playoff appearances in the last five years. They've won at least one round in three of those years, gone to the conference final in two of those, okay? But this team, as it is presently constructed, has never been more than a team that either barely makes or barely misses the playoffs. They have not won a division title. They have not finished second in the division. I don't even think they finished third in the division. I think it's been wild card or extra playoff spot. And 
essentially by trading away your top prospects and your last four number one picks while consistently trying to finish sixth, seventh, eighth in the conference. That is not the way to build up a team. It is basically kind of like chasing your tail to try to squeeze into the playoffs and then rely on your goaltending and your playoff-style system of play, which you play all year long, to upset, uh, you know, win a couple of series and go on a fairly long playoff run. But here's the thing. Out of all the playoff series the Islanders have been in, in the Lou Lamorello era of the last five years, maybe they were favored in one of those series? I Two maximum. And I don't think they've had home ice advantage too often, and they haven't been favored. So, yeah, they maxed out on those two runs to the conference final. (coughs) Came within a goal of beating the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games three years ago now. But, you know, it's not something that this team was favored to do. It's not something that you expect of this team. It was a surprise. And you can do that, but if you're trading away your future, your draft picks, your prospects, you better be a contending team, not a team that contends for a wild card or one of the last playoff spots, but a team with serious Stanley Cup winning aspirations. And the problem that I have, look, I like this team. I like a lot of the players on this team. But with all the guys over 30, you're going to have to eventually make some deals to trade some of these guys away and add picks and prospects. Otherwise, you're looking at a lengthy rebuild. And I'm hoping that we get a shorter rebuild, that at some point, Lou Lamorello either realizes this team does have what it takes to go on a long playoff run <coughs> and can play you know, well enough to become an elite team, or more likely that he realizes that you know we have some important pieces. We have Sorokin and Pelik and Pulak and Barzal. We can build around some of these pieces. Hopefully, you know, Horvat is one of those pieces. Hopefully, Romanov can be one of those pieces. Obviously, you're hoping for sure that, you know, you get another one of those pieces in uh, Noah Dobson. But, you know, hopefully you can then trade away some of these veterans for younger players, picks, prospects, and you add them to the mix and you continue to build around that core, but it has to be done. Otherwise, this team is going to crash in a year, two years, three years tops, and then, boy, uh, you may be looking at another late 90s where you know before the season starts that this team is not going to the playoffs, and I don't like those kinds of seasons. All right, we have got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We're going to talk about the NHL's national TV schedule, where the Islanders fit in, when they'll be on national TV, and, of course, changes to the schedule as a result. So we'll break all of that down. 
We'll also talk about our Islanders' birthday of the day and prospect Tristan Lennox. All that and more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So now is the best time to join FanDuel, the app that's easy to use, and you can bet on everything from point spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. So... The national TV schedule has been released, and the Islanders basically have two games on ESPN, four on either ESPN Plus or Hulu, four on TNT, and two on ABC. Both of the ABC games, by the way, are against the New York Rangers. That includes the Stadium Series game, and uh, the other uh, third Ranger game, a matinee at Madison Square Garden on March uh, 17th, is a TNT game. So you will not have the Islanders announcers for any of the uh, Islander Ranger games. You're not going to have, you know, Butch and... and That's frustrating, needless to say. Brandon and Butch, you want them for those Islander Ranger games, and it's just not going to be that way this year. As for the Islanders, their first appearance on national TV, a TNT game on November 15th on the road in Vancouver. That's a 10 p.m. start. November 30th at Carolina. That is on ESPN Plus and Hulu. That's a 7.30 start. December 19th, another ESPN Plus Hulu game when they take on Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers. That's a home game at UBS Arena. And then the very next night, they are on TNT against Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals uh, at Washington, a 7.30 start. January 11th, at home against John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a 7 o'clock Eastern time start. Then four weeks off until a home game on February 8th against the Lightning. That's on ESPN at 8 o'clock. Ten days after that, February 18th, you have ABC and ESPN Plus with the Stadium Series game uh, in the Meadowlands against the Rangers. March 14th in Buffalo, 7.30 Eastern Time. That is an ESPN Plus Hulu game. Three days later, St. Patrick's Day at Madison Square Garden, a 1 o'clock matinee in the afternoon on TNT. March 19th against the Carolina Hurricanes a second nationally televised game against the Canes in a playoff rematch, 7.30 start uh, on ESPN Plus or Hulu. The final Ranger game, April 13th at the Garden, 12.30 Eastern Time, ABC and ESPN Plus, and then April 17th, a home game against the Penguins in a game that could have big playoff implications. That's a 7 o'clock Eastern Time start on TNT, a couple of changes 
on the start times. Uh, this one, the Vancouver game, November 15th, was at 10.30. It's been moved to 10. The November 30th game in Carolina was 7, now 7.30 Eastern time. January 11th was 7.30, now 7 o'clock Eastern time against the Maple Leafs. February 8th was a 7.30 start against Tampa Bay. It gets moved to 8. February 24th was originally scheduled for 12.30 in the afternoon. It is now moved to 2 p.m. March 2nd, a 3 p.m. game in the afternoon has now been moved to 7.30 p.m. That is a home game against the Bruins. And then March 14th in Buffalo, a 7.30 start. It was previously scheduled at 7 o'clock. So those are your changes to the schedule uh, as a result of national TV. And those are the games that, you know, just having MSG is not going to give you uh, a guarantee to be broadcast. I think the big problem, you know, most people have access to TNT uh, or ESPN, but it's the ESPN Plus games where you need to have that uh, service. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to watch the game live. It's a little bit frustrating. And again, you sort of have that issue where on the one hand, you want the Islanders to get the respect that a lot of nationally televised games gives a team. You certainly like seeing that. It means that, you know, the the, the team is uh, considered desirable to, to be on the national stage, and yet you want Brandon and Butch, you want your hometown announcers. At the very least, you want to have access to the games themselves and be able to watch them. And realistically, uh, you really just want to just want to have that access to the games. So mixed bag there, but those are the changes, and obviously, uh, Islander fans will deal with it accordingly. You know, one other thing that I sort of wanted to briefly touch on: the Athletic also listed their top players under the age of 23. And this list went 168 players deep. On this list, there was exactly one New York Islander out of that 165 players. And it was this year's top pick, the 49th overall pick, Danny Nelson, who was listed as 137th on this list which puts him in the eighth tier. And, uh, you know, the eighth tier here, uh, he's a middle-of-the-lineup kind of player. So you're talking about a second or third-line forward in this case, and probably a third-line player because you're already all the way down at 137 with Nelson. By the way, Atu Ratu was 134th on this list, also in Tier 8, just to give you an idea. But when you've got 32 teams and 168 spots, you, you know, you should have, each team should have roughly five players, and the Islanders had exactly one on this list. And it just reinforces what we were saying earlier about the future of this team and the 
prospect pool or basically lack thereof. And if you sort of take it another step forward, you know, the Hockey News had an article about five young Islander players that will play a vital role this year. And all of them have already been on this team. They listed Oliver Wallstrom, Alexander Romanoff, Samuel Bolduc, Sebastian Ajo, and Simon Holmstrom. Holmstrom may not even be on the team this year, may start the season in Bridgeport. Uh, Bolduc and Ajo are battling essentially for one spot in the lineup. The other one will most likely be the seventh defenseman. Romanov is already an established part of the team, and Wallstrom is sort of in this do-or-die season, but he's already played, you know, three seasons in the NHL. He, this is sort of his last chance to prove he belongs. So the prospect pool just still not looking all that strong. All right, we've got more to get to on today's show. We'll talk about Tristan Lennox, the top goaltending prospect in the uh, Islanders system. We'll break down his scouting report and a lot more. Plus, our Islanders birthday of the day, uh, a 40-goal scorer who was part of the Islanders in the early to mid-2000s. That and a lot more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. (coughs) So, let's talk a little bit about Tristan Lennox. Lennox, 6'3", 205 pounds, catches with his left hand, 93rd overall pick back in 2021. He has got good size. He's got good hockey sense, and he is considered by many uh, scouts to be a technically sound goalie. Uh, Quickness is okay, not outstanding. And look, part of the problem with his numbers in juniors with the Saginaw spirit is that he hasn't had a great team around him. His goals against average has improved in each of the last three years from 3.63 in 2019-2020 to 3.20 in 2021-2022 and down to 3.15 last year. Uh, He also had the save percentage go from 8.76 to 8.88 and then again to 8.88 last season. So Lennox kind of looking at, you know, improving in that sense, his skating <coughs> may be something that limits him. He has played well at times for Hockey Canada. Overall, the, the, the projection that most scouts have for Tristan Lennox is that he could be an NHL backup. And here's the thing, though. The Islanders are committed right now for the next four seasons to Semyon Varlamov as the backup. We know, barring injury, Ilya Sorokin is the starter for the next, you know, eight seasons, nine seasons. So, Tristan Lennox, he has a little more time to develop. That, I think, is a positive. I mean, he is still only 20. He'll turn 21 October 21st, and he's going to get a shot at Bridgeport to see what he could do. It'll be him and Jakob Skarik fighting for playing time there, and it'll be interesting to see how Lennox does leveling up from junior 
to the Bridgeport Islanders in the AHL. That will certainly be an exciting thing for Lennox, and it will be key to him developing his, you know, to the next step of his uh, potential as a prospect. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and uh, Saturday is going to be the big 5-0, 50th birthday for former Islanders forward Jason Blake, the native of Moorhead, Minnesota. 5'10", 180, not big, played at the University of North Dakota for three years after one year at Ferris State and made his NHL debut with the LA Kings in 1998-99, only played one game, got his first NHL goal, got a regular role with the Kings the following season, but was traded in 2000-2001 to the Islanders, had a couple of seasons where he did not produce a lot offensively, and then had a breakout year in 2002-2003, posted 25 goals, 55 points, added uh, two more 20 goal seasons, 22 in 0304, 28 in 0506, and then in 0607 on a contract year, 40 goals, 29 assists, and 69 points. All of those uh, being career highs. Went on to play for Toronto and Anaheim. Had to deal with some serious health issues, but was able to recover and play. Finished his NHL career with 213 goals and 486 points. In 871 games, add 455 penalty minutes and 30 playoff games, uh, of which 21 were with the Islanders. Six goals, 11 assists, and 19 penalty minutes in those. His best game as an Islander, well, one of them was certainly December 19, 2006, at Madison Square Garden. Islanders visiting the Rangers. Rick DiPietro, the goalie for the Isles. Kevin Weeks, the former Islander in between the pipes for the Rangers, and in this one, a hat trick for Jason Blake in this game. Two of the three goals coming on the power play. He was a plus two. Scored the three goals on five shots, and the Islanders end up winning the game four to three. The only other goal scored in this one by Alexi Yashin, and that ended up being the game winner. Uh, Blake had one unassisted goal, one assisted by Tom Pody and Sean Hill, and one by Miro Shatan and Tom Pody. Yashin got the game winner. The Islanders got, uh, the Rangers rather, got two late goals from Yaramir Yager, but the Islanders hold on to win it by a score of 4-3. to DiPietro, 30 saves to earn the win, and a hat trick for our Islanders' birthday of the day, Jason Blake. Want to thank everyone once again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every dayers will be back on Monday. We will have a discussion about William Dufour, arguably the top prospect in the Islanders pool. So we'll have his profile on Monday, plus all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings. Holiday weekend, I will have a show on Monday, however, so make sure you join us for that. But have a great, safe Labor Day weekend. Take care, everyone. And, of course, let's go Islanders.